someone very wise once said to me that data doesn't lie. And for a journalist, when you're talking to sources and constantly asking yourself, why are they telling me this? What's their hidden agenda? Data is an excellent source of information that is objective and factual and will lead to great stories. I'm Miriam Sears and I'm taking you into the newsroom. So Will, you're our resident electricity market data guru, um, uh, doing data journalism. Uh, and I wanted to chat to you today because I think there's uh, some, some really interesting stories that you were writing last year about uh, the German uh, profitability of gas versus coal in the power mix. And to chat to you about just how you use data to tell your stories, uh, and with this story in particular, looking at as a bit of a case study. Um, and and yeah, and, and that will hopefully raise all sorts of questions and uh, interesting points about using data in journalism and storytelling. So perhaps just to start off with, can you tell me a little bit about the background to uh, what you were writing about last year, about Germany and the power mix, and yeah, give us a bit of background and then we can go more into what the story ended up being. Uh, yeah, sure. So the um, the inspiration for this story actually came from Ben Samuel, who was then the deputy editor of ESGM, now is the editor. Um, and at the time, uh, the EUA carbon market was in a massive bull run, mm. or maybe it hadn't fully m moved into it, but it was pretty clear that carbon prices were gonna gain quite strongly mm. um, last year. So in June 2018, uh, Ben came up to me and said, uh, basically, we'll, we're, we're expecting carbon to move up from five to 10 euros to 20 euros, mm. you know, what impact will this have on the, on the power mix? Will we start to see gas uh, ramp up more? And basically that, um, yeah, opened a whole uh, world of opportunity for me. Okay, and, and this is the sort of thing uh, where you do need to look at loads of data for this story. I mean, in some ways, every journal, every piece of journalism is a data-driven story because you need to have some sort of evidence to back up what you're saying or uh, to prove that what you're writing about is true. But when we're talking data journalism, I mean, you're looking at spreadsheets on spreadsheets of lots of different data sets. So when Ben told you that, what did you, what were you looking at? So yeah, it was actually um, funny, kind of around the same time as that, um, we became aware that a, a research institute called Fraunhofer Ice mm -hmm. was starting to publish German power output right. data. And basically before that, I'm sure someone listening to this might like think that we're quite backward or something, <laughs> but we weren't really aware what the German power mix was. Mm. So the sort of two things happening together, I sort of realized that with the, with the past power mix data, we, we had the idea that carbon was going to keep increasing. And then there are these things called spark and dark spreads that measure the profitability of, of gas and coal plants. Mm. And I sort of 
had a, had a bit of a brainwave to put the to put the three things together, right? Um, which became the the series of stories that that we're that we're discussing now. I guess this is where we tell listeners that um, uh, Will was able to move this story on to quite a specific forward looking angle that was looking at this is the number that uh, that spark spreads need to reach in order for gas to really be a dominant part of energy of Germany's power mix. So what happened next? Yeah, sure. So the, the first story was sort of, um, we know what the, the spark and dark spreads are currently, i.e. what the the current snapshot is for, for what, um, well, what the current profitability is. Mm. What I then did was compared past spark and dark spreads with past German power output and sort of drew a link between the two of them. I mean, obviously when the the dark spread is higher, coal output is higher and vice versa, but you're able to actually- uh, You say obviously, but <laughs> it's not always obvious to people like me. Sure, so um, being able to put an exact number on things is quite useful. So yeah. we had a snapshot based on the current um, spreads and then what you can do is take the, the the spark and dark spreads apart into their component pieces, which is the power price, the gas price, the coal price, the carbon price. And in this case, carbon prices would have been 10 euros or something. And then if we moved it up to 20, mm. you know, w what would that mean for the for the for the power margins? Right. So you so you were creating these, I guess, complex models and asking all these what if type questions um, and, and looking at the different scenarios. Is that fair? Yeah, exactly. And then and then this this two part story that um, I ended up writing about a month later, um, the idea for that was um, basically if it kind of looked like gas at the time, it kind of looked like gas prices were going to fall relative to coal. Hmm. At least that's what I thought. And um, I was kind of thinking if Germany was to actually see a major fuel switch, what would that actually look like? So the the idea I had was to look at a different country which had seen a major a fuel switch from, from coal to gas, which was the UK. Mm. So just did the same analysis, exact same analysis for the UK, um, past power output, we've got good data on that, UK spark and dark spreads, we have them, and just looked at what the, the, the threshold was at which we really started to see gas overtake coal in the, in UK, the UK power mix, and then and then I mean, it's not the most advanced thing, but just applied that to Germany, and yeah. and 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 yeah. In this case, it was when the 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 sparks were five euros higher than darks. Mm -hmm. That was really in the past in the UK when you saw a, a difference, and there hadn't really been any data in Germany for 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 sparks being so high. So it's difficult for the model to to project something like that if if it's just never happened before. Are the UK and German power markets similar enough to do that with? I mean, they must be because you thought that it would be a good, a good example of it. Uh, I mean, it's hard to say. I mean, I, I guess it, they're similar in the sense that the economic in incentives for the gas plant to try and outbid the coal plant is the same. Mm -hmm. You know, they both have small shares of nuclear, mm. um, growing shares of wind. Mm. I think it's uh, a, a sort of reasonable um, example to draw. I'd say, I mean, in terms of, there's all kinds of dangers more more broadly about about these things. I mean, sometimes I'll, 
so in, in this even in this case the story idea was to look at uh the link between spark and dark spreads and past german power output mm -hmm. and try and get a story out of that it could have been that no no actual interesting story emerged from that analysis i mean this isn't the best example but maybe in other examples um you know i've done stories on french and U the link between french and uk temperatures and and power and gas prices and demand mm. you know the actual angle in those stories uh, I, I would have had no idea what it was when I when I first started looking into it, and and you know you might spend three days working on something and and not actually end up with a with a story that can be published, which can be tough to explain to editors. Yeah. In the morning news rounds. Yes. <laughs> well, that's that's interesting because it must just mean that you're looking at so much data every day and not exactly knowing what the story is going to be. So how how do you know? what to look for when you're looking for a story and you're looking at all of these numbers and all of these models, what to you would jump out at you as a, oh, that's a really juicy kind of story that we should be writing about? Yeah, so uh, we're quite fortunate in a way um, working here that we that we write our daily market comments on, on, on different markets that we uh, that we cover. I think some of my best stories will typically just be something I've noticed in, in that process and just think there actually isn't time or space to get into this in the market comment mm. or I want to look into this a bit more. Um, and so yeah, there's, there's all kinds of things that I just look through every day. So you will have the beginnings of an idea about something and then we'll be looking deeper into it. Yeah, occasionally. I mean, yeah, Spark and Dark Spreads are a good example because if you you kind of have an idea if if you're just keeping an eye on this what they should be for a given month. I think I, I wrote a story last November just the like gas was just way more in the money than I would have expected and it, in mm. fact it ended up being because of this LNG surge we're seeing at the moment. At the time I didn't know that. Yeah. So um, yeah, we've got these these indicators of what how power markets are, are sort of functioning and and. The best stories are often if, if one of them looks weird and, mm -hmm. and you can explain it and, and will it will it remain the case in the future yeah why was it the case in the past you know i mean that's a big focus for us uh in in our editorial team and trying to write stories that our readers will want to know about it the, the big question on everyone's minds is what's going to happen next um and so uh, i'm sure when you're looking at your data you you're asking yourself that question what's going to happen next and you mentioned before that one of the hard things about this model was that in Germany, uh, gas had never played a dominant role in the power mix before. So do you want to explain a bit about how that made it hard when you were looking at, um, at, at your modeling for this story and figuring out where the switch needed to be? Yeah, sure. Um, so so this, this wasn't a super complicated model. You know, I have a, a master's in statistics where I used to do quite complicated regressions and, and, and so on. Sadly, we don't always have the software to do that in uh, in ICIS. And, and also I've kind of forgotten most of the, the, the ways don't to do it. Don't tell our listeners that. <laughs> a, a sort of issue is that the model, it's very good at predicting that coal is gonna be ramping up in the, uh, in the German power mix, because that's what's just happened for the last, for, well, for this entire decade. So it can draw on those instances and say, this is what happened then, so this is this needs to be in place for it to happen again. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that was all well and good last year. I mean, we saw gas prices surge mm. 
um, from last April, and they, I think they surged again last August and September. Mm-hmm. Since then, that uh, that gas price surge attracted this massive influx of LNG, and gas prices have actually collapsed um, mm-hmm. since last October. So I kind of can't quite use the same model anymore um, because if I well if I were to use it, it would predict that coal is still going to be quite a big part of the the German power. It just doesn't have the data to, right. to suggest that gas will ramp up. There are a few ways around that though. Uh, for one thing, um, I had been using like quarterly spark and dark spreads. So you could, I f- it's better for, we do more sort of short term stuff, right? So it's, it's better for that. You can predict what the output's gonna be mm. in the second half of this year, for instance. Um, we have German power output going back further on a yearly basis. Mm-hmm. So an idea for a future story I'm gonna do is just to be to do the same thing, but keep everything annual. In the past, um, gas has been uh, a bigger part of the German power mix. It just wasn't within the last sort of eight, nine years when we have most of our uh, more granular data for. Yeah. Are you please, is it quite satisfying to know that gas has been playing more and more of a part in the German power mix since you wrote those stories saying that that would be what would what could happen? Yeah, it's uh, it's it's funny. I I guess I was technically correct about it in my outlook, but uh, the issue is that I wrote those stories in July and uh, gas prices really surged in in August and September, so due to reasons that you wouldn't have been able to foresee. Yeah, I mean, I, I actually checked this morning and those stories do not use the word LNG once. And <laughs> a big part of why gas is ramping up is is this LNG glut. So, you know, I'm, I'm right for the wrong reasons, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. technically still right. <laughs> um, no, I, I uh, saw the other day on Twitter, someone had tweeted this graph that uh, had a pie chart uh, that was talking about how um, this percent of uh, voters want Boris Johnson to be the next prime minister. And the pie chart, uh, like it looked like uh, almost 50% that was the shaded part for the Boris Johnson. But then when you looked at the numbers, it was actually like 12% or even less than that. And then it had some of the other Tory people uh, as like a 2%, 4%. And the percent the percentages didn't add up to a hundred percent, so it was a really deceptive kind of uh, visualization that this newspaper that I shall not name okay. uh, ran. And so, what I wanted to 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 get your thoughts on was how do you visualize? Like you you've come up with these this data and and these stories, but how do you use visuals to tell your story in a way that I mean, I'm sure you're not going to be using the same kind of tactics as this particular newspaper. But, but how, like, how do you navigate the waters of using visuals to tell your stories? Yeah, let me start by saying that ICIS would never use <laughs> <laughs> deceptive visuals in any of our uh, many products. But yeah, there's all kinds of things you can do. You know, if if uh, let's say uh, Boris Johnson is one percent ahead in the polls of of one of his um, other colleagues, you could really zoom in the, the the chart to make it look like that one percent was a huge difference. Whereas if you if you actually showed a sort of fifty to forty nine percent difference, uh, it it wouldn't look so impressive. Um, generally speaking, I find it easier to work to actually produce stories uh, 
on most occasions building it around the the graph mm -hmm. uh, it might sound a bit funny but um if i have if i have a good visualization if i just find it easier to write the rest of the accompanying accompanying analysis um, even if the analysis is just look at this yeah um so yeah i mean that's kind of a uh not how i was trained as a journalist but i think when you're trying to tell a story with visuals then that could be a good way to go about it because you want your story to tell the story your your graph to tell the story just as much as the words are telling the story as well yeah i think in this specific case of the the story about the the uk german fuel switch mm. i was able to put together this scatter plot which showed the link between um the something like the spark sparks premium over the dark for both the uk and germany and then the share of gas in the in the sort of gas coal part of the power mix and i sort of put all the data together and produced the scatter plot and it showed germany correlating really closely with the uk mm. up till now it's just that um germany hasn't got to the level where the the sparks that much higher than the dark so but the uk has so i sort of put that together and and looked at it and just thought yeah i've got i've got a story here like yeah, yeah. it's gonna the the chart's gonna imply that germany should mm -hmm. that, that gas would ramp up as it has in the uk yeah so just as a final question that i'm springing on you without any warning <laughs> but uh what advice would you give to a journalist who doesn't have a master's in statistics who wants to uh, be using more and more data because that's a really important way to tell a story uh, especially in our markets when there is so much data what, what advice you would would you give to them who just to someone who just feels a bit like they don't know where to start or that that they're not suited to, to looking at data for stories yeah i mean i would say just just play around in the spreadsheets you know they're not gonna you've, you've got you've got the opportunity um um and just if if you're interested in something sort of just try plotting it out try you know using the data um until you until you find something that that, that looks like it would be interesting i think that the the mistake people make a lot is is just thinking that people are gonna take the time to, to work out their, their complicated graph. I think some of the some of the best uh, graphs and visualizations are just really clear about um, about what their point is. And that's generally the approach I, I try to take, although it, it can be nice to, to produce something that people could spend a bit of time with. But mm. yeah, just, you know, if, if your stories that the, the French spreads gonna gonna fall below Germany, a, a chart showing the two prices with just France falling faster is just going to really clearly easily make that point mm. and it's going to make it much better than the, taking three paragraphs to describe the price moves over the over the last few months or something like that yeah definitely um yeah so play around with excel <laughs> let's finish there it's been really interesting to talk about uh how to use data to um come up with really interesting story ideas that are well founded in a foundation of data. Thanks for listening and uh, hope to catch you next time. Mm -hmm.